Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show where if the devil's in the details, you've reached the world's most detailed podcast. My name is Christy. And my name is Illumide. And this is the Big Empty Purse Podcast. What have you been up to since the last episode? Not much. The one thing that I did do that I remember and I thought it was a great time was I went to see Across the Spider-Verse, the animated Spider-Man movie. I loved the first one. And this is this is even better than the first one. Oh, please. Have you, you saw the first one, didn't you? Yes. The dialogue is so well written. The animation is so cool. Apparently, well, I, this is important to know because somebody told me and they're like, yeah, if you go into this movie, you just need to know that it's part of a two-parter. And I didn't know that until I was told. So apparently the movie has a second part that they're going to release later. So the story is not complete. And they tell you that. They, they put oh. the two at the end. Right. So that way you don't feel very frustrated at the end. But no, it was so well written. The dialogue was so clever. And this is not a spoiler, but you know that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other? <laughs> yeah. There's a scene in the movie that references it. And I fell out. It was so <laughs> funny. It was so fucking funny. I love, 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 loved it. And the, the person who, uh, Shami, what the fuck is his name? The guy who voices <laughs> Spider-Man, Miles Morales. You know what? Shame on me <laughs> for not knowing my black actors. Shamik Moore. Okay, I was sort of right. I just thought the dialogue was so clever. It was so well written. The sequences were so seamless. I thought it was just so good. I can't wait to see the second part. I really loved it. But anyway, I don't remember mm. much about it, but I, I just know that I really liked it when I saw it. Next up, Baltimore Pride. Baltimore Pride, I think, was last week, and I went to participate. Allegedly, Remy Ma performed and K. Michelle. Allegedly. <laughs> I wasn't there, because I think the block party was from 3 to 9 p.m. or from 4 to 9 p.m. I don't remember. And mm. around 6 p.m., because like, it would pour, and then it would stop raining, and then it would pour again. <laughs> and at some point, I was like, and then when it stopped pouring, it was just humid and hot. I was like, I'm not very comfortable. Like, this is not fun. And at that point, Remy Mostel hadn't come on stage, which is the whole reason I went to the block party. I was like, yo, mm. I'm, I'm going home. You're just- I'm going home. So later, I saw people's Instagram stories that showed Remy Ma performing, and she did a really good job. Shout out to Remy. Remy looks good. But um, yeah, I didn't get to see Remy, which is the whole reason I went to the block party. But otherwise, Pride was just Pride. I love the fact that, you know, I hear stories of people where this is their first Pride going out, and I'm like, oh, that is so sweet. I love it for them. Oh, but by the way, this is a by the way, by the way thought. This bullshit where people put microphones in people's faces and they ask, what does pride mean to you? There's nothing I hate more. I'm, like, it's the most homophobic thing you can do during pride month. I, I, there's nothing I fucking hate more. Because what ends up happening is the people who are being asked this question have to on the spot think of a really profound reason why they celebrate pride. And most of them are not nearly intelligent enough to at least articulate why pride is important. Yeah. I hate it. I fucking hate it. And it, look, if somebody asked me that, it's just so I can kick you with my people and have a good time. There's really no profound reason why I go to Pride. It's just so I can have fun. <laughs> it's literally an excuse to have fun with the people I enjoy. That's it. Oh, God. <laughs> and the, re- the reason why I think that's important is, okay, now I'm going to go in a soapbox moment. The people right. whose idea it was or who celebrate Pride in remembrance of Stonewall and all the riots that had to happen for queer people to be visible in America, this is exactly the dream that they had. 
is so we can just show up and kiki we don't need a profound reason and somebody can say well if that's the whole reason of you just showing up to have kiki during pride you can do that any other day of the year why still have pride the reason we still have pride is if you all don't fucking remember there was a time where queer people were in the back 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 background and people were able to just deny their existence by saying oh you know they never seen the queer people in the whatever so they're not visible we don't owe them anything no we need to all congregate at the same time every year to remind people that we're still here because the danger that that have that that has if pride stops existing we revert back to the place where oh somebody in backwater mississippi can say they've never seen a queer person in their life and they don't know what queerness looks like and then they can perpetrate all these horrible atrocities just because they're not aware and it's also strength in numbers if there's only one queer person that's in your backwater town you can do all sorts of atrocities to that person. But if there's a whole fucking community of hundreds, thousands of us, it's very hard to deny who we are and the rights that we so deserve. So yeah, no, there's no profound reason why I go to Pride. I just don't have a good time, so fuck that. If any of you put a fucking microphone to somebody's face asking them why they think Pride is profound, let me warn all you gay people and queer people, don't answer the fucking question. Just walk away. Yeah. I didn't mean to go off that hard, but like, no, <laughs> no it's I had I had that happen uh, last Pride. I was just and I and I talked because I was so I was just so off guard. I was like walking through at, at DC Pride at those like booths they have. I didn't even know who I was talking to until afterwards. I was just like, because huh? mm. <laughs> like I I do have some like deeper reasons for going to Pride, but yeah, it's it's everything you said and saying like I go here to be like out and loud and have fun with my queer friends. Like that's like a, that's a that's a cornerstone. It's not just a valid reason. Like it's pride is supposed to be a party like that's yeah it's more than just a party but it is supposed to be a party it's supposed to be a celebration it turns out it was voice of america which there are worse news outlets mm-hmm. that i could have been interviewed by right. but there are better news outlets that I could. <laughs> <laughs> and also in the background of the video is like this like department of defense pride logo it mm-hmm. really was not the move it was not <laughs> i never i don't think they aired it i like looked all around for it but yeah it was it, it's I also don't love it. I hate it. Like, I've seen people who have run these um, community pages on Instagram and they ask the people in the community what pride means to them. And their answers are so, so, like, like you said, they're caught off guard and they, they're stumbling. They can't find the words and they feel the, this, this responsibility to say something profound. So as if, like, they're put on the spot, a spot to explain why their queerness is valid. Yeah. And I'm like, just don't answer. The, just walk away. Like, what does pride mean to you? Bitch, fuck up. Fuck off. Yeah, I really, I really, and the thing is, they really do try, and I don't think it's their fault, but then they end up saying things that either don't make sense, or they say things that seem vapid as an excuse, to, like, you know what I mean? To the outside eye looking at who doesn't understand what pride is, they're like, oh, so y'all just want to fuck, go out in the sun and have a good, like, it, it's, it makes it so flimsy that people who don't understand pride watching it from the outside can say, yeah, we don't need to have pride, why does the city need to shut down for a weekend in the month of June? Like, let's just scrap the whole thing, just because it looks so vapid for those who are attending it. If that makes sense. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm trying to... Yeah, but... Yeah. Anyway, no. Don't answer the fucking question. Just walk away. It's Don't don't ask us why we think pride is important. And don't ask us what it, what it means to us. It, just, just fuck off. <laughs> Especially if you're now a queer person who's asking another queer person that. Bitch! Speaking of, since I'm popping off, I, I really didn't come here to pop off. <laughs> I did not come here to pop off. But while I'm on the topic, America... America has a problem. Because the Supreme Court... Yo. They just ruled that <gasps> colleges don't have to accept based on race is that right am i saying that backwards that they can't base admission decisions on but like they can't factor race into it right 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 and i think this started with i think if i'm correct somebody if i'm incorrect somebody let me know um an asian kid not getting into college or a specific school that they wanted to get in and they were like oh it's because they are they're the preferred minority so if you're asian the the school will have so many asians admitted which just increases 
the quota so that that way like it makes it extremely competitive for asians and then they're like well if we can't get in the black people can get in without being that competitive then what's the point and and the supreme court was like yeah you we can't base admissions based on race and i'm sitting here thinking does anybody know what this means like i understand how to the thoughtless person who doesn't understand the history of america it sounds like a step in the direction of equality yeah we're not going to base it on race but it's actually evil. They've just repealed affirmative action. And I've been saying this yeah. for as long as I've lived in the United States. Affirmative action only benefits the people who need the skills of the most intelligent and the most talented anybody, which is the U.S. at large, the society mm-hmm. and the government. Just because affirmative action happens does not mean they pick a black person just because they're black. Think about it. Mm-hmm. If that were the case, then every single black person would have their pick of everything in this country. Affirmative action is the most selective thing you could possibly be subjected to because an institution who's trying to admit maybe 10 black people because that's their quota, they have to have those 10 black people. Do you think they're going to pick the 10 black people who are middle of their tier of anything? (laughs) They will be the most selective possible. They're picking the best of the best of the best that they can find. People who Mm -hmm. otherwise would not even be previewed to that opportunity at all, even though they are way qualified for it. And then those people get into those spaces and then they're bullied because everybody else in that space who is the majority thinks, well, you got him based on affirmative action. Yeah, maybe that is true, but their credentials would have been overlooked if they didn't get affirmative action. And their credentials are so much better than yours. You got in because your last name is on a fucking building. Yep. Anyway, uh, the Supreme Court has essentially given precedent for their... So other... other, um, other cases could go to the Supreme Court where they question the integrity of affirmative action in other ways, and this ruling is a precedent. Whatever lawyer takes that case could use this ruling as precedents to make a case for why other aspects of affirmative action are not constitutional. And we are essentially ruling back decades, if not a whole century, of civil rights. It's very scary to watch. It really is. And that was just the first of a few <laughs> things rights yeah. they wanted to remove. Oh my god. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's genuinely scary to watch literal civil rights be rolled back. But, yep, no more affirmative action, bringing back uh, discriminating against people. For, uh, yeah. And the whole Roe versus Wade thing that was over time. Uh, the student loan thing got blocked. Like, all of this, it's just so. Yeah, fun. the student loan forgiveness. Like, the whole thing, I sit here and I'm just like, boy, we are fucked. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's like it's like a it's like a diabolical joke that's playing right in front of my eyes. I'm watching this thing happen, and I don't feel I, I feel powerless to do anything about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's going it's going to affect all of us. And yes, a lot of people who look like me, I'm just like, yo, what are we gonna do? Anyway, uh, let's move on before I like <laughs> have an aneurysm <laughs> because this is some <laughs> shit. Anyway, Christy, now that I've brought the whole fucking thing down, <laughs> how have you been since the last episode? Well, yeah. No, I've been doing about as you would expect. <laughs> Living the dream. Let me just Living the dream. bring out my white American vernacular English. Um, <laughs> the wave. <laughs> the wave. Um, God, let's see. I mean, the world is figuratively on fire. The world is also literally on fire. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's really, it's really great in here in D.C. where it's like 90 degrees, humid, and full of, the air is full of smoke. Apparently that's a weather update. I asked Alex, I asked A-L-E-X-A the other day. I was like, what's the weather today? This bitch said hazy. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> bitch, the world is on fire. It's oh, not weather. Oh, God. Today's weather is the remains of Canada. <laughs> we are the ashtray of Canada, for real. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what have I been doing? Ooh, I have a new coping strategy. 
<laughs> it's not, it wasn't meant to be a coping strategy. It's just turned into that, which are these fucking, you know, the like bead bracelets. It's like the little like candy. It's called candy, like K-A-N-D-I, but like bead bracelets with like the little letters on them. Mm. People, people wear them at raves. They apparently wear them at Taylor Swift concerts now, which I'm not <laughs> pleased about um, as if I like own bead bracelets. But John and I were going to go to a rave in Amsterdam when we went. Of course, we didn't even make it to the city of Amsterdam. Go and listen to our holiday episode. Um, but but I got these beads because I was like, it'll be fun to make some little bracelets for that. Well, the beads have gone. It's like taken on a life of its own. My ADHD has like fixated on these fucking bead bracelets. Like there's something so satisfying. It's like exactly the right amount of creativity, exactly the right level of mindlessness. And there's like a thing at the end. And my brain is like, ooh, this is, these bracelets are a serotonin machine. Yes. Make, bra- make these bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop making these goddamn bracelets. I don't need these bracelets. I don't really wear these bracelets. <laughs> I just can't stop making them. I actually, you know I actually what? mentioned it to my therapist, and she was like, "I mean, as long no as you're are. not spending your whole paycheck on beads, like it sounds fine to me." Yeah, and maybe you just, you know, what this is an Etsy business because you at some <laughs> yeah, point you'll have maybe. a stack of them made, and you have to get rid of them yeah. somehow. So you might as well make it work. Yeah, I, yeah, I support no, this. I'm glad you support it. Yeah, I literally was like sitting there making one at like 3 p.m. because I like needed a break from work. And John walks over and he's like, oh, good. We needed more bracelets. And I go, my therapist says it's fine. <laughs> no, John being shady. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. So what have I been doing? World is on fire. I've been making bead bracelets. I also have been doing a lot of karaoke. There's a we have a good friend who runs a karaoke night and I, which I keep going to. And I'm realizing I have like three karaoke songs like I, I'm, I can't really sing. I just go on vibes. So, like, I have very strict rules about what I'll do for karaoke so that I maximize my good time and minimize their bad time. <laughs> oh, it's like, so considerate. No more than three and a half minutes, ideally under three minutes. Like, no long instrumental breaks in the middle. Like, I have to be able to start, like, talk singing it if I just, for some reason, can't sing. Like, I have very specific rules, and now I'm, like, running out of my... I'm running out of karaoke songs to sing. I don't want to just sing the same song every week. Oh, so. that's... Wow. I can't just sing Stacy's mom every third karaoke. Like <laughs> I never thought of that. I don't know what to tell you. You better start repeating them songs. <laughs> I'm here with an appeal to the listeners. Please send me karaoke songs for someone who is not talented. You know what? If you paste your requirements for karaoke songs, <laughs> we might be able to help you. I would also feel, because some people don't care. Some people are just, I don't want to say creatures of habit. They will sing that same song every time. Every time you catch them at karaoke, they are very shameless with it. I'm like, yo, do you not know any other songs? But like, I would be the person who was conscious about that. They probably aren't, but I would think the way you did if yeah. I went to karaoke that I'm like, oh, I can't sing another song because I've sung before. Yeah. Great. Oh, damn. That is some shit. Sorry. That's okay. Of the problems I could have, having too many bead bracelets and not enough karaoke songs is not <laughs> so bad. It's not the worst. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. <laughs> but yes, listeners, if you have ideas for my karaoke songs, I have a very limited range, but I will sell the performance. So. Yes. <laughs> I have consumed some content. I have watched two movies. Two? In this economy? Overachieving. <laughs> 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 Let's see, both horror movies. One uh, pretty new release that was in theaters called The Boogeyman, which was fun. It was enjoyable. It was sort of as generic as the name makes it sound i'm very confused it, sorry i'm i'm really racking my brain here there's a movie that yaya abdul matin did was it called the boogeyman or was it called something else the one where he looks in the mirror and he f- calls the guy's name three times are you thinking of the candy man oh shit you're right you're right Maybe? you're right you're yes. right you're right you're right 
Carry on. But yeah, the Boogeyman was... It was good. It was good. It was a well-made horror movie, but also, like, no breaking any new ground. No, like... I don't think there were even any actors I really knew, but... But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Is it is it a similar concept to, like... Is the Boogeyman a character that they actually show its face, or is it one of those scary movies where they don't even show the character? They did show the char- They did show the creature. It was... I will say, it was good creature design. Um, mm-hmm. They did, they did just sort of like the slow reveal throughout where by the end you can like actually see the thing, which I feel like some films make work and others don't. Um, so I don't have a, I don't have a, an overarching opinion of whether movie like horror movies should or shouldn't do that. I have so many questions but, if you don't mind. Like, I, yeah, you know, I'm not going to watch the movie and there's only one way I can understand no, the concept yeah. of how it was made by asking. So is this like a straight up scary movie where there's a thing that's scary or there's a social political commentary about something behind it is it like a a thing about mental illness schizophrenia or is it just a straight up we're gonna scare the shit out of you (laughs) no it had some it had some underlying themes um which were so like the the basic synopsis of the movie is that there's a family and there's this entity the boogeyman which um sort of latches onto a family and kill like hunts down and kills the people in the family uh starting with the children for what reason is there uh, like a motivation behind this character's mania um not really no okay, there doesn't have to um, be there doesn't have to be. i'm curious yeah no but the, the theme sort of that the movie does explore in addition to just being like it was primarily just like this is a scary movie but it did it did have some good backstory on um basically like grief and loss and what that does to a family um especially like parents relationship with their children so like the family in the movie their mother had recently died and so the the tie-in was like oh the monster like latches onto families when they're in weakened states but you know it was a lot of like the the two children were seeing this monster and their dad was so like disconnected from them and like didn't know how to parent on his own and like was fucking it up can you please explain so if if this terrible thing happens to one family in the movie other families that are looking out from outward in to see like do they think something fishy is going on or they just think oh this family just has bad luck like what what do other people who are not Mm -hmm. do you you know what i'm trying to get at yeah yeah i think in this particular one it was like all the deaths were sort of explainable as like natural causes Mm -hmm. so they they did just think like oh it's bad luck like the movie starts out like the way the boogeyman sort of latches onto this family is that the dad is a therapist and so a guy like comes to comes to him for therapy and is like all three of my children died and they're saying it's all natural causes but it's not um so he just thinks the guy is crazy Um, oh i like that that's a really good way to explain how people view it from oh that's so cool okay i wish i could manage the jump scares this seems like a very well set up (laughs) movie i I would like to see how this goes okay sorry that's it thank you for indulging me all right you're welcome. <laughs> so then the other movie, which you can also feel free to ask me questions about if you want. The other movie I watched is called Pearl. Um, and this is also a pretty recent horror movie. It's I talked about the movie a few months ago, but it is a prequel to the movie X. It's it's set on like this farm and there are there's this group of people who go and like rent out a house on this farm to film a porno. <laughs> oh, this is the one you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Spoiler alert for X is that like there's an old couple who owns the farm and the woman ends like the old woman ends up being like a killer and she like okay. kills all of them. Um, so the prequel is about this woman Pearl and how she like turned into that. So it was like her as like a young adult. But it was interesting. It was set in uh, 1918. So it was like when the uh, Spanish flu was 
like the Spanish flu pandemic mm-hmm. was happening. So there were a lot of through lines with COVID because I think this movie was made in 22 and like people were wearing masks and that it wasn't a big part of the movie, but it was interesting that they like pulled that in. Oh, as part of the backstory. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. though. that timeline. 1918 to 1970s is a long time. And this woman is still alive killing people. <laughs> she was like super, super old in the movie. And she was still killing people as a super old woman. Yep. Believable. Carry on. <laughs> a, a prequel about a, a slasher character seems like a nice way to keep a franchise going as opposed to just mm-hmm. we killed five people last time this time it's uh, just two weeks later now we've killed ten you know what I mean like the very dumb yeah. sequel type of I think this is a thoughtful way to do it yeah I agree alright we're gonna play a game today aren't we Christy have you realized that we didn't I don't think we played trivia last week or the last time we recorded we but three times before that we're 100% across the board Mm. We haven't got any questions wow. wrong in a really long time. And I think I might have just jinxed it. But I would love yes. to see us continue getting three out of three. I hope today is forgiving. Last time we got three out of three, we got all three on the merit of us just being right. It wasn't one of those we stretched the... <laughs> we stretched the opinion of the answers so far to contain everything. No, we actually got them right on the merit of them being right. I was so happy about that. Yeah, we've, uh, you've jinxed it for sure. <laughs> but they can't take that away from us. Yeah. Three out of three, three weeks in a row. Come on now. Let's see if we do better mm-hmm. this week. Trivia question number one. Which NFL team's name was inspired by a famous writer? Joni Mitchell. Don't, don't, don't listen, 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 listen. I don't even. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, was it inspired by a famous songwriter? No, just writer. Not writer. Songwriter. Okay. Um, hmm. Lakers. What sounds like a writer's name? Raiders. Lakers are not. Oh, Raiders. Um. Lakers. Lakers, too. Oh, Lakers is not football. You're right, you're right. Just, like, just say things out loud, like Steelers, Packers, oh, that's Ravens. But uh, would it be called the plural of the person's name, or would it just be called the person's name? I guess. Because a lot well, of those names are plurals. Yeah, like, I can't... Most of the... Yeah, most of the teams are plural. I can't think of any that sound like a name. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. You know what? What if we guess the states that they might have come from? That the writer might have come from? Stephen King is from Maine, but Maine doesn't really have a football team. Edgar Allan Poe is from Baltimore. Oh, oh, I have never made this connection before. I bet that's it. Raven? Ba- Baltimore is the Baltimore Ravens. Is that is Edgar Allan Poe's last name Raisin? Raven? <laughs> no, but like the, the Raven, like the poem. Because I know Poe's from oh. Baltimore because they've got that like museum there. It's like his, I think his old house or something. Oh my God, we got it right. And it just says inspired by. Um, it doesn't actually say it's It's Baltimore Ravens. That's it. I bet that's it. Ow! Let me, check. Let me check, but I feel like we got I feel like we got this right. It feels so satisfying the answer. Ah, yes! Is it? It is! Yes! yes. Oh, I'm so pleased. Okay, well we're not gonna go from three out of three to zero out of three, which would have been yes. very sad for us. Yes. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Trivia question number two. Which company was the first to use Santa Claus in an advertisement? I feel like it's Coca-Cola, because they will forever die by that advertising strategy. I've seen of Santa and more Coke commercials and i have in every single year of my childhood it's just yeah and it's an old brand so it has to be coke because i've pretty much tied my entire existence of santa claus into coke <laughs> if that makes sense um i don't know yeah see i figured it was some kind of toy oh because for christmas yeah kids gifts that's another way to think of it not mm-hmm. mattel because they weren't selling barbie toys with that oh could be mattel i feel like that's a pretty old brand and that covers a bunch of toys Mm. How about we say things that companies make? If it's not toys, it's drinks. 
<laughs> and then <laughs> a we get toy right. company or a drink company. <laughs> yes, because then we we have a wider chance of being right. It's true. It's hmm. true. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll say either a toy company or a drink company. Specifically, we're thinking of Coca Cola and Mattel, but. Okay, which company was the first to use Santa Claus in an advertisement? The answer is Coca-Cola! Ah! Ah! Oh my god, look at us go! <laughs> what? I love this so much! Oh my god. How are we just stumbling into the right answers? We're like figuring them out! Ah! I love this This is for so us. cool. Anyway. This is great. You didn't jinx us. <laughs> no, I didn't! <laughs> Trivia question number three. Who was the first female singer to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? This one is going to be hard. I will be so mad because this is the one that I feel like we should get right. I know. It's gonna, it's gonna first be the one woman? Get yeah, the first female singer to be inducted into the rock and roll. I don't know. I'm thinking it's a black woman. Might be. I don't know. It's what, probably one of the Motown early girls. Maybe Misaretha or maybe mm. Tina Turner. Like one of the girls who were big into it. Mm. Yeah. Etta James? Maybe. I'm just going to list all the Motown early girls and see which one of those fall into the category of um, rock and roll. Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know how expansive the like rock and roll Hall of Fame is and what they... I'm going to say an answer and just say it's likely a black woman, and I hope I'm right. Yeah. No, because, I mean, I, I feel like it's... Yeah. No, if, I don't... if it's the first woman, it's not going to be... Well, if it's a white woman, I want to know who, who. I feel like you may have named it already, because, like, I feel like if it was the first female singer, like, it's probably someone big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tina Turner, Aretha Franklin... Um, not Ella Fitzgerald. Etta James. Etta James, I'd rather go blind. Maybe Diana Ross, actually. Yeah. I said Mahalia Jackson, but I'm not sure if Mahalia Jackson or Lena Horne. I think they might have been told. Or is it Billie Holiday? Maybe it was posthumous. Mm. Could be. Yeah. It's a black... It, anyway, I'm, I'm just going to stop now and say a black woman. We are going to count any of those. <laughs> All right. Who was the first Nina female Simone. singer to be... Nina Simone. <laughs> I had to spit that <laughs> out there just in case. All right. Also, Nina Simone. <laughs> okay. Who was the first female singer to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? The answer is Aretha Franklin. Yay. And it was literally with the first name I said. Yeah, it was. In 1987. Why did it? Why does it take them so long? Yeah. Okay. I'm happy I was right. I'm... Ah! Christy, you know how many questions we got right this week? Three out of three, three. baby. <laughs> three. And we did not get them right based off of us stretching. Yes. We do know things. Anyway. I love it. So the topic we'll be discussing today is existential dread. So this is this is one of the episodes that we have previously recorded and then lost. Sorry guys, my bad. Yeah, it just happens to podcast episodes. Yeah, it was so so sad the first time it happened, and it's always sad. But at some point you're like, well, yep, this is just gonna it's gonna happen. But, right. But here we are again because it's it's a topic near and dear to our hearts. So. I don't know if people who are listening understand, like, I don't know, this is not even a soapbox moment, but, like, if you're just listening to us say that that was really sad to lose an episode, well, yeah, you fucking lost one recording, gee fucking we. But, like, a lot of the conversations that we have, actually, all our conversations are not scripted. We have mm-hmm. an idea and a topic, and we go with it. You will not capture that exact same thing twice. And the second time you record it, you may not get the same response as you got the first time. It could be better, it could be worse, but it will never be the same. So when you lose a recording yeah. like that for especially a really good episode, it fucking hurts. It does. Yeah. No, it's true. And, like, you could literally re-record it and make the exact same points mm-hmm. like you could you, you could come like with the same takeaways and it wouldn't it won't be the same like the way you say it won't be the same like the way like you'll you'll make little fuck-ups like you'll make someone laugh like it's yeah it does hurt to lose one but i think it helps that this one we recorded actually as part of season two so it's been several months i think if we were to try and re-record an episode right away i think it would be worse because mm-hmm. i think we would be thinking of that previous episode and trying to do the same thing and, and doing it not as naturally or authentically right because we'd be doing it for the second time. But it's been a while, so. Fresh eyes. We'll see. 
Which By the way, I haven't even read the notes in this fucking document. So wherever this conversation <laughs> goes, you're about to have to reel me in because I'm going to be off the fucking pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Perfect. All right. So let's start out with a book report. You know the feeling of existential dread, but do you know how it is defined? So according to the American Psychological Association, existential dread is a profound, deep-seated psychic or spiritual condition of insecurity and despair in relation to the human condition and the meaning of life. Or another definition that I liked was a sense of angst, disorientation, confusion, or anxiety in the face of an apparently meaningless or absurd world. <laughs> you know, two things. Let me just say right now, I don't know a single person our age who doesn't identify with all the things you just read. That's first. Truly. Second of all, the people who believe that there is a specific meaning to life are called existentialists. I thought that was interesting because don't we all i mean maybe we don't actually that's actually a good point maybe some people don't give a shit at some point mm -hmm. we've all pondered it it's something that almost everybody i believe just mm -hmm. thinks about at some point in their lives but maybe there are people who just don't give a shit they they just are not thinking about this but i just thought yeah. it was interesting that there is this there is such a group of people and we've had to define that those people are called existentialists i'm like isn't that just being human like yes doesn't everybody have these thoughts <laughs> i don't know I don't know. Listeners, is one of, if one of you is someone who literally could not care less what the meaning of life is. <laughs> Let us know. Shout us out. Yeah, because I don't know that I have a great answer for that, but I've certainly thought about it. Like, even if your answer is, like, there is no meaning, like, I feel like that means you've thought about it and thought about right. the alternatives. And, like, I don't know. All right. So what differentiates existential dread from garden variety dread? <laughs> First of all, I'm... <laughs> garden variety dread takes me out every fucking time takes me out um i feel like regular dread is on a superficial level it doesn't hit you in the gut like existential dread does like regular dread is me in the airport in reykjavik and i reach in my pockets and i don't feel my passport mm -hmm. like in a minute before i can find that passport there is a very kind of oh shit the number mm -hmm. of things that can go wrong. But existential dread, it's like that times a million. In this place, either you believe in a higher power or you don't, but you are just in this place and you are just nothing. Nothing really is, nothing isn't. It's just, and then when you come to that very confusing place, it's like your spirit is broken. And that <laughs> feeling of a broken spirit is where I think existential dread lies. Mm. Like that's the dread, where your spirit is actually yeah. broken after you've pondered everything. That is where I think the difference is. As opposed to garden variety dread where, hey, I may have lost my passport. <laughs> And I'm at an airport several miles away from home. Yeah, that I think those are two different levels. I don't know if I've gone off like a, the handle here, but those are two <laughs> different levels of dread. I guess for me, sometimes it's not as much the intensity. Like, I feel like I can feel oh, like, I see different levels saying. of regular dread and different levels of existential dread. But regular dread is it's like that. It's like you lost something or you get up for work and you're dreading going to your job or like you're dreading having to have a hard conversation with someone. But it's all stuff that's like sort of in your control like yeah. you lose the passport but like then there's something you can do about it you can find the passport or you're dreading going to work but eventually like you go there and the workday is done like it it's something that's like more within yeah. your within your day-to-day -day life whereas <laughs> existential dread is like these big questions and things that are really beyond your control like you're thinking about like aging or like the passage of time or like whether there's like other life in the universe or whether mm. there's a meaning to life or like what is what is my purpose? And like it's it's these things that really can't be answered, and often nothing can be done about them. So where does the dread They're, come from? Is it the dread coming from the fact that you're pondering these things, 
or the realization mm-hmm. that there's nothing you can do about it. I think, I think a lot of it is coming from like not being able to do anything yeah. about it. Um, yeah, the feeling like it's not something you have any control over or power over. Like, like aging, like we're all aging and that is eventually leading to death and there's nothing, there's nothing we can do. Like yeah. it's, it's and happening people right try. now every minute to people, all of us. Like yeah. a lot of the ingenuity that happens in the human race is people try to address matters of existential dread. That's really what our society is. I'm sorry to sound yeah. like somebody who's been in a fucking Buddhist monk, but that's, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. I think that sense of like powerlessness mm-hmm. and like feeling sort of small is a lot of it feeling confused and like groping for answers and there's nothing there but like as far as like how does it like feel feel um i don't know that it shows up as much as anxiety it's just this sort of like deep-seated like to me it feels like emptiness yeah emptiness i think is a good word yeah Um, it feels as though no matter how hard you try to understand any of it you may never get to understand any of it and there's no rule book anywhere you can't reach out to somebody and ask very simple questions to have anything addressed or you just feel empty there's there's nothing you can do. It just isn't, isn't. What's the point? But you know what, like I was saying, what's impressive is sometimes it feels, it feels as though not everyone has had that feeling. And I'm like, do we live on the fucking same planet? I know. How have you never had that feeling? That's so interesting. If I were like a psychologist, I would do a study into that. Mm-hmm. Like, is, it, is there like a, is there a chemical imbalance that makes that possible? Like, and can we sell that? <laughs> like, how do you not have that feeling? How are you so blessed that you have never had that feeling? What triggers, yeah, what triggers feelings of existential dread? Like, big things can trigger feelings of existential dread. Like, if you have, like, someone you know pass away, like, you can have existential dread about, like, death and Mm -hmm, meaning mm -hmm. of life. Or if, like, you go through a big career change or, like, you know, I'm not, I realize you're not happy. Go through, like, big life events, I feel like, can trigger it. But also sometimes it's something like you look in the mirror and see a gray hair and you're like, I'm going to die one day. (laughs) When I tell you the thought process doesn't give you a warning, it doesn't give you a heads up. You can literally be like, oh, wow, this tea is delicious. And then you think of, um, you know, if you put sweetener. Didn't I say the sweetener was prone to have to give cancer and die? And then you go you think of, oh, cancer. Gee, you know who haven't people in my, ca- in my family have had that? Yo, yikes. And then you just start to think of, oh, I'm going to die. Yep. yep. And then also you think of all the thing, of all the horrible ways you can die. And then how you just have to wait and find out because there's nothing you do about any of it. One thing that really triggers existential dread for me nowadays is uh, climate change. Ooh, that I feel very one. powerless about. And like the things we do know about what it's gonna cause are terrible. And I feel like there's all kinds of effects like of effects of it that we don't know about. And it just, you know what triggers that? My job, because I work in renewable energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're doing the best. Which feels a little bit like, yeah, it's like a little bit like, oh, I have this tiny bit of power to try and help, but it's also like, oh God, the planet is literally melting. Like, are we even gonna be around in a few generations? Like, <laughs> like the fact that we have to wait and find out is what kills me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which yep. is why when, when people make the joke of, oh, you know, I just wanna die now. I'm like, actually, then you don't find out the end result of all of the horrible things that you would have had to wait for if you stayed alive. Mm-hmm. You're just sitting here waiting. Oh, how am I going to die? Will it be cancer? Will it be a bus hitting me? And then literally you are sitting there waiting to find out what it's going to be. And then the most annoying part is you'll never find out because if it's instant, you wouldn't even know. And there'd be no way for you to yeah. exist beyond that. And then you sit there and you're just like, wow, why not just go now? There's nothing I can do. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's what the people in the industry call suicidal thoughts. I wouldn't know anything about yep. it, though. In the industry. <laughs> you get the trauma and the comedy on this podcast. How does existential dread affect your day-to-day life? Very much. Very. 
It's very. But like, if I'm doing something really fun, fair, they're right. present with people I love. Like, I'm not often having thoughts of existential dread. But there are many times in my life where I am doing something normal or fun, and those thoughts are in the background, and sometimes they're able to be dismissed, but they're like they pop up. Um, and other times, it does feel like really overwhelming. Like, if you're thinking of these big questions. Like, I wonder if I'll live to old age or if I'll die young. And you're like, oh, I'm supposed to, like, fold my laundry. That feels so pointless. Right. That's <laughs> like, how am I supposed to do these random things? Every morning I get out of bed, it's one guaranteed bout of existential dread. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It is a battle for my life every fucking morning. I wake <laughs> up and I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you wake up and the first thing you do is you open your eyes. You're, you're like, oh, yeah, I, this is my room. I live here. All right, cool. Then you get up and then your back does a little, just yeah. a little, not even a big one, just a little one. And you're like, how old am I? Oh, shoot. I'm this many years old. The average lifespan is X. Like, or maybe it's not that. Maybe you go brush your teeth or maybe you go tweeze an eyebrow and you look up and all the hair in your nostrils is white. Mm-hmm. Because you are starting to gray from the inside out, literally. The inside out, yep, yep. Yeah, like, literally, a reminder of how you're aging. Your nose hairs are white. Yep. So, and then, yep. it, it could any kind of number of combinations of things in how you, I get up and whatever, the next sequence of events is going to trigger one, guaranteed. And I'm just like, I don't yep. want, I wonder what it's going to be today. <laughs> and then I find out. Yep. You go on Instagram, and you're like, you know this song? This song is 30 years old. And I'm like, well, fuck you, Instagram. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, or it'd be like climate change. Like, for instance, you get out and you see the, you ask a A-L-E-X-A what the weather is going to be. And she says, hazy. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> I'm living in the end times. This is the Armageddon. Yeah, there's like things in our day-to-day life. But there's also like the, I am tired of living through these unprecedented times. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I want precedence because the unprecedented times, I'm like, hmm. We don't even know what frame of COVID, reference like, to think of this stuff in. Yeah, there were some days during the pandemic, I'm like, Maybe this keeps getting worse and maybe we literally just die. Like maybe literally maybe like, this is the end. COVID just kills everyone. Hold your breath and count maybe. to 10. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's Skyfall by Adele. Go listen to it. Thank me later. Every single new day these days is just some crock of shit. Sometimes it's like, oh, I should be careful with my money and save it. And then it's like, I might die tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bye. So like, so, so it's, it definitely like, informs my actions and sometimes keeps me from doing things but it doesn't most times like totally inhibit me from living but it definitely affects things an extra 15 minutes of my late time in the morning is due to me combating existential dread thoughts (laughs) i'm sitting there and it's not so much combating them thoughts is convincing myself that it is still worth getting up despite all of this i'm sitting there like used to i don't give a shit if Outside is hazy according to A-L-E-X-A, but <laughs> for you to see 30 days from now, you need to get up. And why do you even want to see 30 days from now? And then I have to find a reason to combat that one. <laughs> and so, like, at the end, the only way I, like, and every day, how you win is a different way. You, tr- you throw everything at it until you win. Some days, mm-hmm. it could be so, something as stupid as, bitch, if you don't get up, you need to pay for them Beyonce tickets instantly mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's so stupid but like that yeah. will knock me out of it so fast that i'm like oh there's a moment in time that's ahead that i can look forward to and i'm going to enjoy that experience so whatever it takes for me to get to that point i will get up out of this fucking bed just so i can see that point point. and after that point yep. who fucking knows we have to find another point to look forward to but that is the one thing that if i catch a thought that can swing me out of that it's usually a thought of something in the future that i look forward to yes same yeah do you feel comfortable discussing existential dread with your family? 
Some members of my family, yes. Not many. But there are many things I don't feel comfortable discussing with my family. This is true. This is true. But I did actually... I mean, I have a I have a good relationship with my sister, and we've we've talked about some like existential dread before. In particular, we talked about we were having a conversation because my sister has basically her whole life wanted to be a parent and like have multiple children. Like mm-hmm. since she was very very young, she was like, I want a big family. I want lots of kids. This is important to me. This is what I feel like. Like I don't know if she would have said like this is my purpose, but it was like something that she felt like was going to be a defining feature of her life. So she has a son. He's a few years old. But I asked her. This was maybe a year ago. I was like, So have you thought about? having more kids. And she really surprised me. She was like, absolutely not. Like, I, I can't, like, I can't fathom bringing another kid purposefully into this world right now. She's like, oh. I see the news. Like, I think about, uh, about our society and like the thought of purposefully bringing another child into this. Oh shit, that is heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it shot, it like really shocked me because it had been such a like, like core thing to her. I was like, damn. <laughs> that is heavy. And she said, she said she was felt really glad that she accidentally got pregnant because she was like i love i love my son i'm glad i get the experience of being a parent she's like because if because if i was where i was now i would choose to not have kids and it's right. like oh my god yeah life will fuck you up in ways that you didn't think was possible <laughs> life will really fuck you up i mean i was gonna say i'm glad you can talk about it with your family but you know what i am glad because i feel like thoughts like that um i'm not saying family is necessary for this but there is some kind of i don't know the fact that it's not your solitude now you feel more at peace to know that, mm-hmm. yo, you are also going through this shit, huh? Isn't this mm-hmm. some bullshit? And I think there's yep. there are people who you know that they've really gotten to the end of that shit and they're just like, yeah, and it's just it's just nice to know that somebody else has also like reached that point and then you see each other like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, <that's- laughs> yeah. No, it was really, it was really, I mean, it sucked and it was like a like sad heavy thing but i had brought up like part of the reason i brought up the subject is because like john and i i think are not going to have kids like you know obviously that could change but like that was one of the things on my mind but i like so to hear that answer from her like because yeah so that answer like entered my mind of like oh the world is shit do i want to bring a kid into it but to hear that from someone who where being a parent was so important Mm -hmm. to her yeah yeah but but yeah no i don't it doesn't have to come from family no friends i feel like i discuss existential dread with friends all the time it's like a regular tuesday literally every conversation yeah. <laughs> i have if the co- entire conversation is not about this fucking existential dread it will pass through it at some point yep it always does and it's always nice to just say this sense. is why we're friends we see each other <laughs> we <laughs> recognize that this is some bullshit no seriously every time i meet somebody who it seems like they have never gone through this thought process i'm just like we're gonna be friends but so i can study you <laughs> because we don't see each other we don't see yeah. each other so like i just want to know how you don't see this shit yeah i think there's a balance i feel like i need people in my life who and hopefully and in a lot of cases they're the same people but like need to be able to like not pretend that the world is not melting and like but also not get so fixated on it that we never like have fun together like be able to like yeah also like thing things to look forward to and other things to just like sort of ground me in reality and it usually has to be a happy thing like it's not like oh my folding my laundry is going to ground me in reality. Like, no, it like, but it's things like looking forward to a trip or being like, you know what? I have no idea where it's going, but like right now I'm here with this person and I'm having a great time. And like, I like, is the future guaranteed? No, but this good time right now is guaranteed. I'm here having it. So like, let me just like, Oh yeah, I see. Enjoy it. Savor it. Cause I imagine you have to get to a certain point in your like life and development before you start experiencing existential dread. Like I don't, mm-hmm. not super familiar, but like, I don't imagine like young kids, have existential dread 
Like, so. I, although I will say though, because I'm never number two in the trauma Olympics. <laughs> yeah. I no. was started early, early. They signed me up yes. very early for this bullshit. Aging has really been getting to me lately. I don't know what it is, but like just lately, that's been something of like, oh, I'm getting older. My body is changing. I'm less healthy. Like it's been really getting under my skin. Um, and so like, I don't know where I picked it up from. It was probably the internet. The internet is weirdly like for Triggers. all that it spreads mm. negative things, like it, it can share like positive things. But somebody said like something they say to themselves when they feel that way is it's a privilege to get older. Like it's not guaranteed. So like, oh, that's funny. Am I like, <laughs> am I here in like a less healthy, like beat up form? Yes. But like, that's a privilege because I get to be here. I didn't, there was no guarantee I was going to be here. So like having reminders like that, like I say that to myself every time I start to get in my head. Like, look, bitch, this is a privilege. <laughs> Fucking appreciate it. But no, when people say do like physical activity or exercise to get you out of existential dread, I'm like, it won't work for me. <laughs> Maybe it will. Maybe I should try it out. But I know the way my brain works. I step on that treadmill. My, I'm, my air is being knocked out of me. I can't breathe the way I used to. I can't run the way I'm, I'm dying on that treadmill. <laughs> that's what takes me out. So yeah, no, um, I don't know. That's one yeah. thing that people say that I just don't agree with, but that's just a personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exercise is hard, but I do understand the like getting into your like physical body. Cause like other physical, like, like you said, exercise is so tied into like aging and health and all of that. But like, feel like, if you like go on a roller coaster, like mm -hmm. that physical sensation of being like really present in your body, oh, like I that see. could snap me out of stuff, like other, other physical things, but. <laughs> Get somebody else to do it. <laughs> Yup. So that concludes our episode on existential dread. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, let us know what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future. Next time, since we like to keep it heavy around here, we'll be talking about loneliness. <laughs> but you know it'll be a good time. <laughs> so until then, good luck. <laughs>